So How Green Was My Valley, before I ever saw the movie, the reason I heard the name How Green Was My Valley was because it was the movie that beat Citizen Kane. <laughs> that is that is the number one thing I always heard. I can't believe Citizen Kane lost out to How Green Was My Valley. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. We are deep in our John Ford watch. Um, so on this episode, we will be talking about how green was my valley and then moving on to his military film. They were expendable. So, Mike, how excited are you to continue talking John Ford? Well, I just finished the uh, back half of this double feature about 15 minutes before we start recording. So <laughs> I was so excited. I wanted it to be fresh. On the brain, that's it. That's the ticket. That's why I programmed it little, that way. Little behind the scenes, I was talking to Mike the other day, and he's like, ah, I still haven't watched those because uh, I have physical copies, and I just basically can't be bothered. I just, I want to watch it while I'm on the clock. I want to watch it while I'm at work so I, you know, can do two things at once, which I totally get. Um, but this is why mm -hmm. uh, digital is the future, huh, Mike? That's where we're at. You know, I mean... I think you're being a little bit uh, disingenuous there with your, your statement. I know you're still hanging on to the uh, physical media. You should be happy. You end up with all these free digital copies because Only I Only because I badgered on. you about it because we did an episode on Captain Marvel. You mean and you, I actually had to... you mentioned something once? Is that, is that your version of badgered? <laughs> I think I felt like I was being fairly aggressive with that one statement. I think there was an, a how dare you dropped in there. Yeah. Which also fair. goes back to John Ford uh, a couple of times. Uh, the previous episode, I believe I said that numerous times in the first 10 minutes of the informer um but we'll see uh was not excited to talk about well definitely not excited to talk about how green was my valley so i guess we'll <laughs> we'll start there and it wasn't uh you know on my phone because i'd missed the 4.99 sale on itunes oh, for that one man true tragedy true modern tragedy the best picture winner that beat citizen kane yeah. I didn't even think it was worth four ninety nine. I wouldn't even gamble four ninety nine on it. <laughs> like, eh, maybe, but probably <laughs> not. So it, it strikes me as very funny that if you listen to our last episode, which we closed off with Grapes of Wrath, you were not upset, but hoping that John Ford would delve into topics that weren't solely about the destitute, about the poorest of the poor. I felt like it was covered with Grapes of Wrath, which I really liked. I yes. didn't expect to, and I loved it. And then I was like, okay, what else do you have to say after this? And apparently, apparently a lot more. A lot more about poor people in How Green Was My Valley. So this is, a, I think, you actually mentioned, I think, what this movie is best known for, and that it is the movie that, that beat Citizen Kane. Um, I think there's, I think in some ways it probably gets an unfair shake because of that. Like people are kind of going into it already. Like, well, fuck this movie. You, I don't know. If, you, you I mean, the greatest movie of all unfair? time. Is it really? Cause I mean, a little bit of all movies to, to best at the Academy Awards. Yeah. That's probably the one you should get that reputation. <laughs> so Mike, I'm getting the sense that you were not a big fan of how green was my valley. I actually liked it a lot more than I thought. Uh, it's got two of the, I don't know if I would call them the coolest parents, but it's got two really interesting yeah. uh, parents. This mother and father of this fucking brood. 
of <laughs> so many children <laughs> coal miners i couldn't keep count how many you know there's there's one child right there's like only one. one kid that matters i mean let's be real the rest well, of them are kind of interchangeable the telling the story you know so of course he's, which by he's the way apparently to. was like a very daring thing to do when this movie came out like there weren't a lot of movies that were that had that kind of first person narration and this was like Dare a change at the very end like they were yeah. like maybe we should give this context so we'll have you know this uh well this, voiceover clearly more daring than anything that hack orson wells did back in 1941 <laughs> clearly um it ebbed and flowed right <laughs> like sure i think the performances are great here uh, a lot like grapes of wrath i love the parents i love the the flipping back and forth uh, of your expectations in particular with the father figure and to some degree the mother mm-hmm. um because this father is a he's not a hard ass and that he's you know, drinking himself to a stupor and abusive to his family, but he's he a coal miner. I mean, you kind of, expect. he has some set rules. <laughs> like he really doesn't like to uh, be talked to or to expect anyone for him to talk during uh, mealtime. It's eating That's time. A- <laughs> I kind of respect that. I was like, Oh yeah, we can talk after dinner. Uh, he definitely would not have gotten into any fights in uh, my favorite film last year, eighth grade, because he would not have been badgering, <laughs> his middle school daughter for conversation. He would have respected her time on the phone and social media, all that. That's great. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to say about a coal miner in this time period that he would have respected social media time. Um, but you know, he's also the one, I mean, as the film goes on, he's the one that he doesn't, uh, actively try to change his lot in life, Uh but he does for his youngest son. And uh, I mean, it's in some ways that's you can say it's cruel because when his older boys or adults are in the uh, have followed him in this path professionally are are trying to rise up and make things better for all. He's he's the one that's like, let's not rock the boat. Let's just, you know, let's just take. Yeah, they're offering less money now because there's other people out of work. But, you know, let's just keep doing what we're doing. But later in the film, he's the one that's actively trying to get his youngest son out of that that particular mm-hmm. choice in life. So I thought that was, that was interesting. And the, you know, the it's mother, that the mother character is like, why are you learning Latin? I'm that's why not? Welsh? Well, she's, <laughs> you know, she's a, uh, you know, in many ways she is, I guess the, what you would typically see is the more masculine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, person in the house. She seems to, to wear the pants and she seems to have the more, I mean, she does threaten everyone's lives at a certain point in the movie. So yeah. You're talking against my husband. You're a lot of cowards to go against him. He will do nothing against you and he never has. And you know it well. How some of you, you smug-faced hypocrites, can sit in the same chapel with him, I cannot tell. To say he is with the owners is not only nonsense, but downright wickedness. There's one thing more I've got to say, and it is this. If harm comes to my Gwillem, I'll find out the men, and I will kill them with my two hands. And this I will swear by God Almighty. I mean, that, you know my mom. You've met her at my wedding. That was actually pretty common when I was a kid growing up. Like, Sounds about right. <laughs> yes. I, like, I mean, it was a Tuesday for me to hear her threaten someone uh, to their death. <laughs> uh, so I, I dug it. Um, but I think it's just a little a little too close to reaching for epic status and what is a very pedestrian lifestyle, an interesting life, but pedestrian. It's very interesting that you bring that up because I had, 
I had a thought along those lines and then did, you know, as we mention all the time, the barest amount of research, which is to read a Wikipedia article. And the movie, to me, felt felt like it was just aching to, like, stretch more. Like, to spend more time with these characters, to spend more time with the love story, to, you know, spend more time with her after she moves away. And it, apparently, originally, John Ford wanted this to be akin to Gone with the Wind. Like, this was supposed to be a three- or four-hour movie. This was supposed to be epic. And they pared everything down. And I think you can really feel it. I think you can really tell that everything is... I think that's why it comes off as like, oh, it's an interesting life, but not something that's worth spending all this time on, is I think because it feels kind of shunted to the side like that. Like, there's a lot of... There's a lot of kind of paths the story could go, and they don't really bother, and then they kind of come back to it after time has passed, and I think you could really feel that throughout the run runtime. And I like the movie. I think it's I think it's enjoyable. I don't think, I mean, this is definitely not going to be my favorite John Ford movie. I don't think it's the best that we've even seen his, so far. I feel like I read somewhere that this he was loved one it. of his favorites. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's interesting. I think um, several things in it work. I think the... The kind of forbidden love story works very well. Um, I was actually most interested in that in that story rather than you know the kid. Hmm. Like I was like, eh, whatever. This kid who I was can't I was walk. not really. Yeah, I just see? I mean, do it or don't. Like what you know, it just th- there's something about that. I guess that is uh, timeless, right? Mm-hmm. This uh, unrequited love, and of course we get we've get the the religious uh, element to it, where it's the uh, the local pastor and you know he, he gives a big speech about you know what he's chosen in his life his his commitment to the lord to other people's lives and how in some ways it would be a tragedy uh if he asked someone else to share in that commitment and i'm like i i kind of get it but you, <laughs> you you just seem like you're just kind of blowing something off here you're just blowing smoke and uh i i ended up really disliking the daughter character because i wanted really? her to be more like her mom and just calm yeah. on a shit and be like no no, yeah. we're gonna bang. We're gonna bang right now. <laughs> this is like the the old Mike standard. Not enough fucking. That is. <laughs> and again, but Look. again, we have we have John Ford's hatred of chattering women. Like we have the whole like the townsfolk gossiping. Um, mm. Just like we had in, at the beginning of Stagecoach, I, f- I found that interesting. Like this kind of weird parallel that that is his easy go to villain in his pieces. Like if only they would shut up. Uh, then everything would be just fine, which seems like There's a very John Ford thing to, to do. An old, maybe old-fashioned, not currently you know, the modern uh, version of being a libertarian here, at least when he comes to social issues, yeah. where it's just sort of like, stay in your lane, mind mm-hmm. your business, like, you know, that's not that's not your concern. Let, let people look, live their lives, like, you know, especially ones who, like the father, are not trying to rock the boat. Like, you know, they've... My biggest issue with the movie, and it's interesting you talked about, uh, I didn't know that they were aiming for Gone with the Wind, which I don't think that would have meant I liked it more. I probably never would have watched it. I would have said, no, we're not including this. It was <laughs> we would have skipped long. that one, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> the thing I disliked was they seem like it's a family that loves each other. And in the the briefest you know downtime you get in between one horrible event to the next <laughs> – I really would have liked hanging out with these characters. Like, can we can we have sure. a birthday? Can we have a, a, a Christmas or something? Without, I mean, the beginning like, was great. The after the wedding, you know, everyone real happy, everyone drinking a lot. 
until the preacher shows up and then everyone tries to act uh, yeah. professional. Uh, I like that. I, yeah, I there's that was uh, fun. Pastor Buzz Killington on his way through <laughs> the door. Except he wasn't. He, he wanted to have a good time. He was singing. He was dancing. But they I, – I like that that kind of picture of the community where they make this assumption of like, oh, well, he's a man of the cloth. So mm-hmm. we can't act like ourselves in front of him. We have to be better. And he's mm-hmm. like, uh, can I have a beer? Like, yeah. And I, like, I think that was my start of really, really enjoying that relationship is like, you know, you've already started to see the attraction there. And then you see them interact in this social setting. And it's really sweet. It's really cute. I, I like it. And I liked it the whole way through. I mean, I was it is annoying to me that those two like don't consummate that relationship. They're not together. It's like, oh, come on, guys. You are clearly meant to be with one another. You clearly like one another. Like you said, let's just do this. And after that, not one good thing happens. Like even the even the kid going off to school, he gets beat up. He gets bullied. Uh, but I thought, gets... okay, hold on. I thought you would love the boxing sequence in the classroom. I thought that would be your favorite scene of the whole movie. It's with... it's couched in this way to to make it more comedic. Instead of something terrifying and vindictive. Is like that what I, you wanted? Did <laughs> you want him to just beat the living hell out of this teacher? There has to be something performative about this because you're not just beating up <laughs> one man. You're beating down a culture, a culture of these little, you know, this little like Hitler youth, these little terrorists that think that they can pick on someone from a, a certain class. And so you can't touch them because they're children. But what you can do is beat up the full size adult <laughs> and make them think about what's going to happen to them in Your the future. Your next kid. Yeah, that's what I wanted. There, there was some element of that. There's some element of carnage that I wanted that I didn't get in that sequence. Um, I, I also did like the the sequence when, you know, the kid first learns to box and then, you know, he kicks the crap out of the out of this bully. Um, and then the teacher comes over and quote unquote breaks it up and ends up beating our main character. And I like the fact that the bully kind of takes our main character's side at that point. And it's kind of coaching him through, like, you know, don't yell, don't scream. You know, holds his hand. It's like, it's it's a nice, it's a nope. nice moment. No, you didn't like that either? Unacceptable. You're going to get yours. <laughs> he already got his. <laughs> Kid couldn't no. land a punch after after a boy learned to box. Well, that's just showing him he's a, he's a failure. That's not, like, completely breaking him down. You know, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> turn all of these kids into little school shooters or something <laughs> I want them to be completely hopeless because you know what the people I like are reminded that their lot in life is mostly hopeless everything that they their goals are not like wow I want to be rich and powerful one day there's no American dream element of this right mm-hmm. it's just basically like I like the way things have been and I wish they could stay that way and we weren't rich and we didn't have much but I was fine with that. And then what the movie does for two hours is systematically remove all those little scraps that they were comfortable with and like it was good enough. And it beca- you know, it becomes a bit of a bear to of a movie to watch. Um, yeah. So I think it bogs down performances just because you're like waiting. You know, it's like this is a slasher movie where it's like, <laughs> oh, I wonder what horrible things can be taken from the poor people next. And it's I think it's. I think the one thing I really don't like about this movie is the way that it ends. Because you're right, it is dour, and all these terrible things happen. But it's almost like this main character never deals with any of that. He's just like, and then his dad dies, and then and then he has memories of like, oh, wasn't it awesome when my dad was alive? But there's like no comment about it. It's just like these series of images to, I guess, make the audience feel good about 
this person's life, but it does come off a weirdly cold to me uh, because there's no discussion of like, oh, isn't it terrible that he's gone? It just jumps to like, isn't he great? I guess he was. I don't know. I didn't get to. I didn't get to revel in that kid. I didn't see any of the good times. Right. I, just, <laughs> I saw all of you clinging for your for your lives, for your very existence, and most of you get bumped off. And you know, there's a sequence where it's like, well. I go to America and it's like, well, you're probably never going to see them again. <laughs> and so, so we, we have this thing where the family, you know, you bring a good point, like not even just the kid not wanting to deal with it, but even the parents, it's like they have this sort of thing they do where it's like, you know, can you read us a passage from the Bible father? And he does, but no one's like watching as they like exit the stage. Right. And it's just like, so they didn't have to say goodbye. I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, if we saw something like this now, I would probably accuse it of like, really wanting everyone to reach for the tissue box like far 100%. too often. I mean, I think that's true of this movie no matter when you watch it. I think it's very clearly trying to play on your emotions, but I don't think, as we've mentioned, I don't think it spends enough time with its characters to really get there. Like, I, I ended up feeling bad by the end of the movie because I felt like I should feel more for these characters by the end, and I was just kind of like, oh, that was over. Like, we're, we're done with that now. You know, it's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it it certainly isn't an Oscar-winning movie either. Uh, especially, I mean, especially when you think about, like, the fact that Citizen Kane uh, <laughs> lost to this movie. It does, it does certainly sting. Um, but what do you think specifically of John Ford's direction of this movie? Do you feel like this is a step up? Do you feel like this is a step down from, like, you know, Grapes of Wrath and the other movies that we've watched? I mean, it, you know, maybe it was strangely more uh, personal for him, like, you know, the background of where his his family came from. Um, I imagine in the if in the time, though, it would have felt like, oh, he's he's uh, adapting like a, a big, successful novel again, that that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's basically all he did, like all the movies were watching, except I think for They Were Expendable, which comes up next, are almost all based on novels. Just, that I think was that one is thing. too. I think that is. A oh, you're right. It. You're right. That was a written work first. Yeah. So I think that uh, was just his thing. <laughs> which is is you know fun because that, that one's you know especially for this episode watching them uh, together that one is a little bit different you know but <laughs> yes. uh, I think he I mean he had more maybe it was more interesting to see like the downfall of of this town uh as it relates to capitalism like whereas in the grapes of wrath you know you have that what i liked and i guess prefers you had the main character coming out of prison and mm-hmm. just like seeing you know this basically his entire existence has been swept up out from under him and so he's trying to play catch up to something this like right. thing that's already transpired and here we're we're seeing it even though I have my complaints that we didn't see enough of the good times, you know, where it is set in this one community, I guess maybe you feel it more than you would for Grapes of Wrath. Mm. I don't know. Like you, maybe you get a better sense of the, the context of this thing. Cause you're going to follow this family from when they're all together to when they're fractured. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I would, <laughs> if I was seeing it at the time and since I'm relatively new to Ford and his work, uh, you know, I said at the end of the episode, I'm like, all right, get away from poor people. And now I'm like, please, God, get away from poor people. Like, yes, we did. There's, it's a little touristy to me, you know, given what little I know of Ford that, you know, he didn't, he grew up fairly 
comfortable. <laughs> so it either feels like, I guess, Oscar Beatty wasn't a thing then, or that wasn't a term. I'm sure there were people like lusting but, after but there gold were, trophies. There were prestige films for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, you know, I still don't really understand why even now, like <laughs> a prestige movie is a look at like a marginalized existence. Why that's like, why we still are like, there, you know, there's money to be made by going to watch horrible things that happen to people very different from you. And I do feel like people, they come away thinking that they're more educated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, it's this weird line where it's like, are you more educated or were you just entertained and coming away thankful that that's not me? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I that's think, not me. I think also there's just an inherent drama in the lives of people who are like these people destitute. Like there's always something coming up that is the worst possible thing because they're just in that situation on a day to day basis where if someone, you know, I don't know if these people exist anymore, but if someone wasn't living paycheck to paycheck, uh, maybe it's less dramatic and less exciting because like, oh, if something goes wrong, we can actually take care of it. You know, we have the money to take care of it or we have health insurance. Unlike here in the United States, uh, you know, we can actually manage this. <laughs> Whereas with, you know, populations like this, it just becomes a, like every little thing could legitimately be the end of everything. Yeah, I uh, put that in a war movie and I guess I accept it more mm. because it <laughs> I, I don't know if I need, I need the professional trappings of like, well, that's the that's the job, right? right. That's the mission <laughs> this is what I signed up for. OK, <laughs> and let's... it's like, you know, none of these people, they signed up to have like a normal life, have kids, you know, have some holidays together, watch your kids get married, hopefully to the one they love. Nope, that's out of the nope. cards for, nope. for the some one. reason. <laughs> and he. he she marries, you know, the daughter marries a rich guy, but that's a fuck all help to them. You know, at the very least there, there was no like devil's pact made here, which is kind of what I expected. Right. Like, right. I, but it, maybe that's one of the missing threads you were talking about that they just, it's kind of introduced and then just fades away. Like she, when she leaves the film for a long stretch. Yeah. I also found myself as I was watching the movie thinking, you know, I've never read the book. So this may be completely the opposite way the book goes, but I found myself wondering is this a better movie? Is this a more interesting story if we are not saddled with the point of view of the child? If we get to see it from different points of view? Because the whole thing is from this kid's point of view. So you get these little glimpses of like, oh, isn't this terrible? Isn't that terrible? He doesn't really understand anything that's going on. So you can't really delve too deeply into all of it. you know. So you end up just getting this kind of surface level story of the trauma of this family instead of having some more depth to it. And I found myself wanting to move away from the kid point of view. Mm. I think the only character that I would be interested in as much as I love the, the mother and father, I I don't think, I think they're both going to have a pretty skewed take on, on things. Um, the daughter, uh, Maureen O'Hara, I think her point of view, maybe like I I sort of miss because she's the one that seems to make, would you call it a personal sacrifice? Because she, she makes her play for the man that she actually loves and he he it's not that he expresses a lack of interest but it's like he it's funny for a man of faith he expresses a lack of faith in the life that they could share together and so for me when she when she leaves and then is just sort of reintroduced like through the kid's point of view you know he's not adult enough to really catch on to like what she's feeling and in that way the film's not either like i don't know Mm -hmm. i did read some (laughs) the imdb trivia where she 
uh, the actress corrected Ford on something. And he like was furious that, you know, probably was furious anyone would, but especially a woman in this time period corrected him and like sent her away. Like, you know, you must leave the presence of the room. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess, you know, she was fucking furious about it. Like should, should have come back with like a blade or something and threatened this little man. Um, but, uh, you know, according to this, he actually did whatever she corrected on, corrected him on. He did fix, you know, so it's like he wouldn't admit not to her face. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I just I, I did find myself wanting more, especially from that particular relationship, because I think it's an it's an interesting thought, right? This man who is, you know, taking this taking this vow, you know, for his life to be a religious life, to be, you know, to be essentially to be impoverished, right? To like not have a lot. And he's willing to do that for himself, but he loves her so much that he's not willing to let her make the choice to, quote unquote, suffer through that life. And I think there's a lot of interesting conversations to be had there in the movie, but you get like one two minute scene and then it's over and then she's married off and then she kind of disappears for like half the movie. And like I said, like that was the relationship I was most interested in. So that's where I kind of it kind of lost me a little bit. And it just became these little moments of like, and then this happened. And then that happened. And then this happened. And I'm like, okay, okay, but but why? <laughs> like it didn't seem to have a strong like narrative structure at all. It just seemed to be like, and then this happened next. And I like all the actors. Like I like the mm-hmm. characters. I like, you know, it's all very well performed. Probably, you know, there's probably a great uh, television series or something, mini series or something here with right. all with this, you know, entire uh, crew we have, but you know, that's, that was not in the cards, uh, definitely at the time of this release, but, <laughs> um, you know, that maybe, maybe it's the, the problem of trying to include so much and not being able to fit it in right. as opposed to at the, at the jump, at the start of this adaptation, you say, okay, here's the part, here's our through line and here's how we're going to, we're going to focus from this one. And I guess it's attempted to with the kid, but you know, he's just, he's just sort of a witness to things that he doesn't right. understand. Yeah, and it made me wonder if this is if that lack of structure is due to, you know, because I don't think I think if if Ford was alive magically and someone called him an auteur, he'd probably slap the taste out of their mouth um, because I think he probably thought himself as a very workmanlike director. Like this is this is my next job, and I wonder if viewing your career like that instead of like okay, I need to carefully craft the next film I do. It's like no, no, this is just my next movie. I like this book. This is what I'm going to do. And I wonder if having that perspective, you know, would have would hinder him in making a movie that is more complete than this is. Yeah, I did see an interview with him where he uh, you know, he seemed to scoff. He seemed to scoff at the very notion that he was being interviewed. And this was like in his <laughs> sounds about know, right. His his senior days. I think the interview was like in the 60s. Mm. Um and yeah, he he did have that like, oh, it just seemed like a good way to make money like that sort of. <laughs> right. And you you got to assume like a guy that's as combative as he was. And, you know, one of his editing styles, if you want to call it that, was he would edit as he was shooting. Mm. And by that, I mean that if he knew that he was going from a master shot to a close up, like in the master shot, he would just put his hand over the camera <laughs> and then take his hand away when he knew he was going to cut back to that shot. Cause he didn't want anyone questioning like what he saw already in his head. So he gave no options. It was pretty much so <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so that does play with, you know, what you're, you're sort of pontificating about as far as like, he just was so set in his mind. Like, I like that story. Let's do it. And he's got this way that he wants to present it. But, uh, I mean, I, I, 
I still find it like really engaging, like far more engaging mm-hmm. than what I thought. Coming in with the reputation of the Citizen Kane beater and with this horrific right. title, How Green Was My Valley, Jesus. Ooh, that's rough. Um, you know, introducing a, a child, you know, narrating the story. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be <laughs> Mike's miserable. nightmare. <laughs> uh, you know, initially I was glad I saved the five bucks, but um, I actually did. I, I mean, I did like the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, is this, yeah, do you think this I, is the worst John Ford movie we've watched? I, I would say I think uh, the Informer is less interesting overall, um, but it's it's got that loose kind of wild feel to it. I mean, the main character is stumbling drunk, like mm-hmm. in this you know this time period of like one night when he's like a rat and betrayed his friend. So I probably like liked it more. And how green was my valley? But if I was just saying, "Hey, let's throw in a movie," mm. uh, I think the informer would lose a lot of people just oh, in the yeah. living room. Whereas this is way this more one, accessible. <laughs> this one has a feeling of like, okay, we're going to watch a story about this family. And with the informer, I think there'll be people like, "What? What is this? What is this guy? Why are we watching this dude?" Um, but I think that I would probably be more impressed by his direction in the informer, just because it it just feels stranger, especially. For, and it, he won. Best director for both of these, right? For the yeah, I think that's right. How Green Is My Valley. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's no Kane. I mean, here that's that's well, the problem. I mean, what is? <laughs> I mean, that's one of the greatest movies ever made. Like, imagine making like a top ten list of every movie ever made and not including Citizen Kane. Like, just for being ahead of its time and doing things that no one has ever done before and something that still holds up. Like, it's you know, that's hard to it's hard to compare anything to. Well, I mean, let me be real for a moment though. I've probably seen Everybody Wants Some, the yes. greatest film from 2016, more times than I've seen Citizen Kane, which has been around. Well, because you could just put it on whenever. <laughs> like decades. It's, it's literally a hangout movie. Like it's perfect to just put on at any which time. Which is what How Green Was My Valley is. It's a hangout movie like Everybody Wants Some. <laughs> just like that, except for lots more dying and coal. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Look, it's the middle-aged version of it. You know, that, that was those were the college days. Uh, and eventually they go to the mines and things start to get a little rougher for them. Of course you do. I would love to see that sequel. <laughs> so Mike, uh, before we move on to our second movie, after watching how green was my Valley, you know, definitely not what you were wanting from Ford after watching grapes of wrath, uh, just based on the, bring subject on the matter. war, bring so, on. Death so are you ready? Are you ready for, they were expendable. Are you ready for John Ford's war pictures? Uh, maybe one of them. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I am definitely ready now, like after this. Um, <laughs> like most people listening, you know, however many listeners you have at this point are going to think that dozens of them, Mike, there are dozens well, of us. <laughs> hello, you know, send us a tweet and I'll name check, you know, all 12 of you or, you know, if there's 24, I think Dave's reaching there. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't dislike this movie at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're asking me like in the context of like going from one project to the next, please, God, let's go to a different setting. So, yes, let's go to the Pacific. Let's let's do they were expendable, please. So from my perspective, like I'm, I'm a little bit torn about like after seeing how green was my valley as far as like my mindset about Ford, because I, like you have noticed that he's, you know, very comfortable with this particular group of people or this style. But on the other hand, he's made some really good movies. Like if this is, if this is quote unquote, the quote unquote, the worst movie we've seen so far, it's still pretty good. It's still a good movie. So it's, you know, it's something, sometimes people are comfortable in working in certain areas, but there's a good reason for that because they're very good at it. 
Uh, and I've never been the biggest fan of war pictures, so I don't know. I don't know how I feel going into They Were Expendable, but I try to keep an open mind. Uh, all I know about this going in uh, is anything I saw in that documentary, Five Came Back. That's it. That is my only set of knowledge about this. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, hopefully hear from Paul Ponte, who I have not mentioned yet. He is our resident John Ford expert, uh, and he has a podcast called The Screen Watchers Guild. So make sure to uh, look him up online and follow his accounts and listen to his podcast. And we will be right back. And we kind of say like, ah, well, you know, this is the new person of this, the new person of this. Uh, John Ford was was not really the new anything at the time. He was he was John Ford. Uh, he had his ideals and he had his 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 distinct look, and he didn't really he wasn't really too concerned about how can I make this look like another film. Okay, so we are back uh, to move on to our second movie in our show today, and that movie is They Were Expendable. Uh, so I guess, you know, plot synopsis, plot such as it is, um, the PT Boat Unit Motor Torpedo Boat Squadron, Squadron 3 defends the Philippines from Japanese invasion during World War II. That pretty much explains everything, right? That's, that's all we need. Well, I mean, it continues the, uh, I guess, the feeling of uh, helplessness <laughs> that we get from yes. uh, Greenwich Point Valley. Uh, but it's just in a war setting. Um, mm-hmm. Not glamorous. Not, I mean, at times there's a couple action scenes, but for the most part, not a glamorous look at war. No, it's definitely not. And I think that's what surprised me the most um, is that you think of these, you know, I mean, let's call them what they, they are, these propaganda war pictures that were made, and you expect violence to be glorified. Uh, you expect, you know, patriotism to be glorified. And that's definitely not what we have here at all. It is this, you know, of course it's based on a true story. So there's only so far they can stray from that. Um, but there's a lot of moments of like, wow, this is definitely not what I was expecting, especially from a war picture from John Ford starring John Wayne. Like you expect kind of a raw, raw movie. And that's definitely not what you get here. It, the most of the beginning is him about is about him struggling and struggling to just get someone to listen to him. Like mm. The first 45 minutes, it's just like, I have the secret. Will someone will someone use my knowledge? Nope. We're good here. Your little boats. You just that was cute. <laughs> Shut up, John Wayne. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's definitely not. Uh, you know, having him cast as the uh, the sidekick was interesting uh, yeah. too. To Robert uh, Montgomery, uh, I yet yet again Ford gets the best out of. And I'm not seeing a lot of John Wayne because I've just uh, you know I <laughs> what I knew of him was that he was like a grouchy old blowhard. You know, I, I saw some <laughs> pretty terrible interviews with him. I guess I'm just like, wow, he doesn't seem like a likable dude. Um, so seeing him, I wouldn't say he's subservient, but, um, he's a guy who's gotten comfortable with losing because he's had to, (laughs) right? Like he, he loses a lot of these professional battles and this, as you said, saying, Hey, how, how about we do this? No, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of like weirdly enjoyable for me to have someone just Um, kick John Wayne around. That's that's fun for me. I mean, Ford was right. Like we saw with uh, stagecoach where he's. You know, he, I mean, he was always a movie star, like, right. He, like the way he like holds the screen in silence mm-hmm. as the sidekick was really impressive. Right. Um, and he's got a, I've never th- thought of it, but Wayne really does have like a defeated face. Like he wears defeat. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Um, so yeah, this is what's interesting about this one, I guess, is that uh, it felt far more like reflective than what I expected. And mm -hmm. it's coming out in summer 1945 and was shooting the fall before as the war war was still going on, but it, you know, things were looking like, okay, the, the allies are, the allies are going to win this, right? Unless some, some, some crazy happens, they're going to win. So, you know, with, I, I thought that was kind of interesting because I would have expected this to come out maybe 10 years later. Like, cause right. it seems like, Hey, we need to remind ourselves. Yeah. We end up like winning this thing, but like, let's focus on like the losses we had to and remember to the cost. That. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have expected that. Like, you, you know, you mentioned the sort of, you know, propaganda aspect, or at least what I expect, because there's there's military involvement as far as the you know the boats and the planes they used. Well, uh, even here. even if you look at the credits, like everyone who they could, they put like their rank, and, mm -hmm. like even John sure. Ford himself, who was actually a soldier, like they but actually is, put that in there. Like okay. it is a movie about losing, which is weird. Like, um, and I I don't know if this did well. This didn't get like the uh, Academy love that. Certainly he got for uh, Grapes of Wrath or How Green Is My Valley, right? Yeah, certainly not um, not to that level. It got two Oscar nominations, one for Best Sound Recording and one for oh, no. best, best Effects. So oh, that's like not... getting the, the Star Wars like yeah. nomination or something, or like a Marvel movie, Jesus. And uh, uh, John Ford has actually been on record that he hates this movie. Like, he despises it. He's sorry he ever made it. So I, you know, I, I, I kind of dug it. Um, here's some issues with it. Um Going from defeat, defeat to scrappy win to like oh oh we <laughs> we lost a ship in that victory lost like you know everything <laughs> there there are no clean knockouts in this film which no. I found impressive but um it is long I mean it is two hours two and fifteen hours, minutes it's, two hours and fifteen minutes is it his longest we've watched so far I think everything else was two hours very and strange under. considering you know the uh, grapes of wrath and how green is my valley and doesn't it feel like you could make this movie in like 85 minutes doesn't it feel like it's a little bit stretched I don't know out it, you know maybe you don't he you know you don't feel it you don't feel that that defeat if it's just like a if it's maybe. just like a one-time thing i don't i don't know um yeah, I like the romance here. This works better for me than How Green Is My Valley with Donna Reed. Well, this, anything this, with Donna Reed is going to work for me. Like, let's let's be real. Like, I mean, I'm you know, I, I don't. You must be substantially older than me because I have to admit, I'm I'm not. <laughs> it's a wonderful not, life. Yeah. Come on. Well, I think that's a bad look for her because you know, Jim, you know, she she has a hard time keeping Jimmy Stewart from that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> But thank God for Jimmy Stewart. Otherwise, she would have died alone yeah. in a library. Eternity, okay. You know, I, I don't know, Dave. Um, but, the, okay, so you've got the, like, ships in the night sort of aspect to it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's no, I guess, thankfully, there's no, like, it doesn't culminate in, like, Wayne and her, like, see, meeting up again, like, right. after, like, further events. Like, once they, I mean, it, their <laughs> relationship ends with their connection being lost. And basically, both of them being scuttled to the next red line, which is the biggest issue I have with the movie is mm. that it's a series of Indiana Jones sequences where it's like, and we went to this Island, then we went to that Island and it, <laughs> right. it does all kind of start to run together where I'm like, wait, where are we now? Like what? Oh, not even kind of a hundred percent. Like if you, if you quiz me 10 seconds after this movie ended about where things happened or the order in which they happen, like, I don't know, man. I mean, I know it ended bad, but like, that's, <laughs> Things just keep happening. And it, it seems like that is a weird uh, throw line between this and How Green Was My Valley. It's just things just kind of happen in these stories. The one, and they... is, 
why is the former one of you know his favorite film and this is the one that he wishes that he had not made that's a good question i mean i'd I'd love to hear an interview of him talking about that but i also know that behind the scenes this is probably my favorite thing that i read behind the scenes is he just made john wayne's life a living hell uh on set and i guess the reason for that is john wayne was one of the few people involved in this movie who was never in the military (laughs) so he just immediately was like you are worthless and I'm going to make your life a living hell and did it for months. Why, why cast him then though? Like, I mean, that's, I don't you know, know people I, you like to mistreat. I've met your friends. I know you have people you like to mistreat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but if I, if I have the power to make movies, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, I, I'd, I'd take the more Kevin Smith route where they, they're, they're in there one scene and they're like a guy that gets like just on or something. That's how you mistreat your friends. Not, <laughs> not months of just browbeating. Yeah, that's that, okay. That's poor form, Mister Ford. Like, show a little class, like the guy from New Jersey does. That, uh, that's I don't a, think he that's cares. the filmmaker we should be covering, Kevin Smith. Yep. Oh boy, he's coming out with a new movie, so you know we might do that. So. Is it new? Can we call it? No, can we call it, no, we can't. <laughs> can we call it, like half his material new? Not really. <laughs> I still like him though. I like Kevin Smith. Okay, John Ford, that hack. Uh, where were we? Um, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I don't really see this one as like stating out as that different. Um, I I don't like the Rotten Tomatoes thing is useless here because there's like 10 reviews <laughs> on there and all these people look suspiciously like they'd still be alive. Well, maybe except for one. So I'm like, I'm not getting a good estimation of how this like played to the people that it was meant for that lived during this time. And I don't think... I don't ever hear, I don't know if you do, of this one put up as like one of the great war pictures. Oh, definitely not. I mean, I think the, like I said, the first time I ever even heard of this movie was through that documentary, which was specifically about this period of time. Right. So that's not a good gauge for like, is this known? Uh, And everyone I've mentioned this movie is like, hmm, I don't, even our John Ford expert, like he didn't have a lot to say about it. He was like, yeah, you know, it's one of his war pictures. (laughs) And I think... I think this movie and uh, How Green Was My Valley are probably pretty similar in quality, um, but I like How Green Was My Valley better, and it's probably just because of the subject matter. Uh, because, like, this is at its most basic, not a romance. It is a war story. Um, and I feel like you can tell most of the work went into building those action sequences, and they're pretty amazing, especially for mm-hmm. 1945. Like it's, it's really stunning work and you can tell that that's, I mean, that's where the money is. You can really see it on screen and that stuff really works, but story wise, it doesn't really work for reasons we've talked about where it's just like, I can't, you know, can you really tell those sequences apart? Is there anything really different happening? And isn't the story basically told through afterthought where it's just kind of like, and then on screen, and then this is what happened. Uh, all these people died. Anyway, have a good night cinema goers <laughs> like it's just like okay um so there are things i really really like about it um i like the romance it could have i could have stood to had more of that but i but i think it works and i like the action sequences but all the kind of all the build-up um leading up to the action sequences and even the stuff after that it's just it just kind of fades in my memory and i it's not even like it's bad it's just kind of like did that what happened exactly like and it hasn't been that long since i saw it i think i'm you know really desperate really itching for like a three act structure for mr ford at yes. this point <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> just, you know something vanilla uh where it doesn't have that sort of ambling nature and Do you like not think extended... grapes of wrath had 
that or do you feel like that was even yeah it's a, yet again it's a series of you know defeat 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 though let's go over here another defeat like <laughs> the 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 informer i guess is the the outlier and that it's a series of like drunken victories until inevitable defeat <laughs> you know <laughs> so you can't even enjoy those times that much um here like you could extend out you know i think for both of our liking the donna reed segment with with sandy with this nurse um and this this waiting to get back out like knowing that like through no fault of your own like the task you've been assigned with the the you know the area of the world that you've or a gatekeeper that you're a defender of Mm -hmm. in this world war uh you drew the short straw but you're still trying your best and like they, they all know it like you know even even with this like John Wayne has a strange reaction to being asked if he dances and he like, talks about the women. Like he's, he's not going to entertain them in their potato sacks or whatever they're wearing. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> These are really hard. I don't know if it's him as an actor or the, or the character. He's just a really hard character to like. Uh, you mentioned like he wears defeat well on his face, which is one of the best backhanded compliments I have ever heard, by the way, just prime stuff. But I mean, when you, when you're watching him go through this movie, you feel I feel like I should be rooting for him. And yet I'm just like, eh. Is it the weird like sandlot style cap that he's wearing? The baseball it doesn't cap, help. Very, that does not help. Very distracting. Very is. distracting. It doesn't uh, it's very strange. I, I think the only times that I really root for him are again when he's with Donna Reed's character. She makes him more human. She makes him have something worth fighting for. You better lie down and take it easy. You've got a temperature of 103. So I've heard. You Navy boys always run about two degrees above normal. Must be that time you spend at sea. What is your rank? Second lieutenant. Well, I'm a JG, so watch your language. Oh. I thought you were a motorcycle cop. Despite your gold braid, you don't tell us. We tell you. So lie down. I'm going to take a little bit away from Donna Reed. Um, How dare you? I'm sorry, I didn't realize like she's like one of your like pinup girls, Dave. Like Jesus, I didn't know you were like in high school. I grew up. Whole... I grew up watching reruns of the Donna Reed show on Nick at Night when I was a kid. Goodness. It was my mom's favorite show. What do you think to do? You get made fun of at school? Like you open up your locker? <laughs> do you think I like, talked big... to that? No, I didn't talk about that. No, no. <laughs> God no. Great. I have self-preservation, I'm... Mike. I'm glad you've been waiting, you know, for decades to spew this to nonsense this, on me, Mike. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, this is what I was talking about earlier about having your friends in a project and you just jizz all over them. This is I, I am the recipient of this <laughs> horseshit from you. And Are you I saying just... that I am jizzing on you on our well, podcast? Look, I, I saw <laughs> I saw how green is my valley. That kid could bob and weave. So can I. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying so. to do on a podcast. It burns, Mike. Be careful. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I will take you at your word, sir. <laughs> All this is staying in all of this because <laughs> this is pretty dour stuff. We got to, you know, I, I said, let's move on to Kevin it Smith, up, really. It's... So I'm bringing in Kevin Smith to the John Ford retrospective. Um, to me, it's, yeah, I'll take a little bit away from Don Reed. Uh, what I like about those sequences is how respectful, I guess, um, the rest of the guys are as far mm-hmm. as like trying to mimic uh, being back in, you know, real life in this like courtship process. Like it's a little bit of like this, like neighborhood sort of chuckle you get about mm-hmm. like when you recognize like, Oh, 
those two, you know, him and her, they're into each other. Like I know both of them. Like I'm, I'm gonna give him a hard time. I'm gonna give her a hard time about this. Right. And it's this m- moment of levity. Strangely, there's far more levity in a movie called They Were Expendable, set in one than there is in Green Was My Valley. And I guess maybe I was just thankful because this was like a double feature for me. I watched this on mm-hmm. back-to-back days, these two films. Uh, I like those moments, and uh, maybe I'm just enjoying them too much. Did I get mad at the movie when that has to end? <laughs> when it's like, oh, we we're off. We have to oh, like break this fighting. up. And, <laughs> and like I said, it never comes back. It's like, you know, you never you get a, a phone call that ends far too early. And uh, Wayne is back in his potato sack insult thing where he's like, look, I'm not a talker on the phone broad. And then it's like it cuts <laughs> off. <laughs> Talk about wearing defeat. You can tell he's like, hmm, wish I wish I'd said something. If I knew those were going to be the last words. <laughs> Maybe like, I should have chosen something else. <laughs> You know, where can we hook up later if we both survive? Nope, none of that. Potato nope. sacks. That's that's where we're at. Very interesting. That... There's also a. Can I just bring up late, like almost in the next to last scene of the film, <laughs> there's a guy I don't remember the character's name, uh, who's like eleven thousand men or something. We're like you know, wooed by her or like into her basically, and I, I couldn't tell him like, wait, is this like slut shaming or, or like is it. he just saying like. <laughs> Or, you know, the more optimistic look, he's like, well, everyone falls for her because she's great. You know, how do you take that? But then Wayne is wistful and he's like, hmm, I guess you liked her you know, a little bit more than the rest of us. I'm like, I, OK, I think it's the slut shaming thing. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to give that. you the benefit of the doubt, but you just <laughs> ruined it like like men usually do. <laughs> I find it interesting that, you know. When we first started the show, we thought like, oh, well, maybe we'll pair movies by. Uh, by their subject material or, you know, whatever other reason we'll have for pairing them. We ended up deciding mainly to just, like, pair them based on when they came out. And I find it interesting that I had kind of the same reaction to both of these movies. Like, that was pretty good. Like, I had that, which I was not expecting after the kind of buildup of Mm. our other episodes, where every movie was good to great. Uh, And it does feel like right now, even though all these movies are at least good, that Stagecoach is really standing out as this kind of pinnacle of what John Ford can do, at least so far, whereas these for me feel like a step down. And maybe that's just because, you know, Stagecoach is a classic, you know, every great director usually has one or two movies that really do stand out, but I'm trying to kind of track why that's happening. And I feel like he kind of hamstrings himself by being so focused on like, Oh, this is my next job. This is my next job. Um, And then this is very much like, kind of a labor of love even though he ended up hating it after it's like i feel like i have to do this for my country like this is important for me to do as as opposed to something that i really want to do and i'm putting everything behind well you're, you're also talking about story structure in a way because with stagecoach the the objective's very clear we, we have to get to this place some of them are being forced out of town as you mentioned the the prostitute there uh and wayne is picked up along the way but he's also like arrested you know he's going he's going to jail but there there's a clear mission and of course there's mishaps along the way like the the place they go to the the men aren't there and then they're attacked as they sort of circle back but there's not you know it's not clear and i don't think any of the other films as far as where we're going or if there is going to be an endpoint most of the time the characters don't really know what their their endpoint is going to be They're They're not even aspiring to an endpoint. It's just like here. It's like, all right, you know, the next assignment and I don't agree with it, but I yeah. guess I'll do it. Like none of the, none of the characters think that what they're being tasked with is going to make that big of a difference. Right. 
Yeah, I guess the closest we have other than Stagecoach to a movie with characters who have a place they want to go is Grapes of Wrath. Like they're not going to a happy place, uh, but they all know, okay, we got to get to California to get work. And then, of course, everything goes wrong once they get there. They, but, they were warned. <laughs> you know, there's people yeah. along the way like, hey. <laughs> Listen, you don't want to do this. It's not going <laughs> to end well. I got that flyer too. Yeah. I'm <laughs> on work. my way back the other way. You don't want to <laughs> do this. Yeah, but you're, that's a really good point is that a lot of these – this sounds insulting, but a lot of these movies in terms of structure are, are fairly meandering. Like, it's just kind of like, and then the next thing happened and we react mm-hmm. to that. And it's the same thing with How Green Was My Valley and They Were Expendable. Even though they're very different movies with very different tones, it still does feel like, you know, we have to we have to have the end point that we have because that's how the book ends or that's how this true story ends. But the way they get there is a little... <laughs> A little loose. <laughs> You're just kind of like, there had to be a better way to plot this out, and it just never really happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, here it's, you know, they're, the way he's he's honoring uh, the people he, he met, which apparently, uh, I guess MGM really wanted him to do this book, and it only happened because he actually, like, met the guy that right. was, like, <laughs> like based on what was the names. So the, the actual guy was uh, John Bulkley. Mm-hmm. And so the the character's name here is John Brickley. So <laughs> at that point, <laughs> at that point, why don't you just like give the character the the actual person's name? Just ask if you can, because you're like right. clearly just trying to honor this man. And it's and based I think, on a you know, true story. Ford like, actually, what are we doing? Like, it's... yeah. And Ford probably meeting him. You know, that he just felt like, well, okay. You know, if he's looking at this as like this is a series of jobs, he's right. like, I can do that. I can put that on screen. Right. It's still entertaining, uh, and I'm actually surprised that how briskly paced it felt as I was watching it. It was only after, and even this discussion where I'm like, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff where I'm wondering why that was included or why did it have to be that long? I didn't really feel that way though. What, as I was watching it, right. um, I was, I was, I was into it. Um, I was just looking at the cast but, uh, list and did not remember that John Wayne's character's name was Lieutenant Rusty Ryan. That is a great, a that great... does sound like a fake name for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, not even like a superhero name. It's like a, a villain's henchman or something. Right. That sort of <laughs> exactly. character. Rusty Ryan. Rusty um, Ryan. Uh, maybe a Kevin Smith film would include a character like Rusty Ryan. Almost and, guaranteed. Uh, and there would be some horrible yeah. sex joke referred to by his name. Almost guaranteed. They, that character would probably tell in like an epic 10-minute monologue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, So to kind of wrap this up, our next episode that we are going to be covering more John Ford movies. Uh, we are going to be look at <laughs> my darling Clementine. And you know <laughs> what? I don't feel like on a, you know, the premise of the show is once a month, we cover like a director and a certain number of films. I don't feel like well, Sophia Coplay had that air of so being so defeated. Like, and next week, another another John Ford movie. <laughs> much that's what like, we're doing. Uh, much like these uh, PT boat, uh, pilots i am defeated uh no our next episode will be covering my darling clementine and she wore a yellow ribbon so going into this one what is your expectation moving in and two like do you know anything about these movies i don't know anything about either one of these films other than my darling clementine because i checked i think as of this recording is currently on stars and stars is (laughs) a service i make fun of that no one should pay for. And yet for like all these like podcasts I do, 
shit's always on stores. So they're, they're always getting like eight bucks from me a month. <laughs> why do I complain about them? I don't I, know why. I, don't... I get more out of stars than I do HBO. Because it, it. it sounds like a service you should make fun of. Like, it sounds like nothing would yeah, be on there. It does sound like the but... Kmart of, right. like, you know, pay TV movie channels. But they're pretty good. Hopefully they'll you support know, the show. I haven't checked if My Darling Clementine is also on Criterion, their streaming service. I know it's in the Criterion collection. You know, I played uh, that so, card with you. So How dare you? In a conversation where I'm trying to be somewhat prideful about stars, you play that card on me. <laughs> That's right. Such a hipster card. Yep, that is who I am. But to answer your question, I don't know anything about either one of these. I've never heard anyone say like, oh, that scene in... My darling Clementine, or she wore a yellow ribbon. I don't think I'd ever heard of that until we were cobbling this, these lists together. <laughs> cobbling. Um, I I think <laughs> I had never heard of My Darling Clementine. I'd heard of She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, I think only because it was one of the movies my dad liked uh, when, when I was a kid. He's a big John Wayne fan, so it was like the title feels reminiscent, but like I know nothing about it. But I do know that they're both Western in nature. Um, so he looks old as fuck in this john wayne is he playing yeah. like a? he's playing older old he's man? playing like a 60 year old man yeah oh, so God. i don't like um, this so uh so i'm looking forward to him going getting back to that genre because i think he's really good at it um at least based on you know stagecoach um i'm excited to see him kind of tackle that again uh but uh what do you think about that about him kind of going back to this genre after doing grapes of wrath uh, after doing the war picture, after doing the the prestige picture, what do you think about him going back to the Western? Are you excited to see that? Or are you kind of like, uh, we've seen you do that? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on if it's good or not, right? That's always like, the mean, question. Yes. <laughs> I like things when they're good. If they're not, that was a mistake, clearly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, is it unfair of this time period to expect, you know, Mr. Ford to be like Soderbergh where he's just like all over the fucking map trying new things. Probably, you know, eventually he's going to come back around to like, you know, shut up and play the hits. So <laughs> just imagining coach we both liked him coming back for a second life and filming with an iPhone and just not, not being very happy with that. That would be, it makes know. it easier to block the camera. You <laughs> That's know? true. <laughs> just use one finger. You're good. <laughs> Problem. <laughs> yes. All right. So as you mentioned, those are the movies we're going to be doing next week. In the meantime, if you would like more of our nonsense, you can follow our show on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, just look up at Directed by Pod uh, and don't follow Mike because he's mean. Uh, and that's uh, I think you come across as mean. I don't come across as mean on these things at all. I, like, well, I think you come across to your horrid, like, you know, just thing that you did. Uh, no, you I meant on that's... Twitter. I meant on Twitter. You are clearly the more mean one on Twitter. If I'm contacted. Yes. Yes. Like what, don't poke me with a stick on Twitter. Don't don't, you know, notify me in yes. any way. Yeah, that's actually really good advice. Don't po- don't poke the bear. Just follow at directed by pod and we will certainly follow you back and we would love to hear what you think of the show and what you think of these movies. Uh, So we will see you next time with more John Ford. 